Jennifer vanished sometime in the overnight hours. Right now, there is no trace. Investigators say evidence leads them to believe that she's dead. Stick my nose back in the trail. That's all I can do. This is already gone. Already gone. Already gone. Hey friends, Nina here. I've got a little bit of bonus content for you as the year winds down. This is a true crime live panel that I did back in October. On the panel was Josh from True Crime Bullshit, Charlie from Crime Lines, Amanda from the Wine and Crime Podcast, Justin from Generation Y, Robin Warder from The Trail Went Cold, and yours truly. It's definitely an R-rated panel, so listen accordingly. So we have another group coming up. We're not going to do a live show in the traditional sense. We're going to do more of a panel. And so I want to invite up Amanda from Wine and Crime. Robin from The Trail Went Cold. Justin's already here from Generation Y. Nina from Already Gone. And Josh from True Crime Bullshit and all the other stuff going on here. Many of us are. Don't, for God's sake, don't spill that. I would never. Okay. I don't spill wine. So I drink it. Josh um, invited us all to come from all different parts of the country and, you know, the world, if we're going to count Canada. Uh, Keys didn't, so um, I don't know that we need panel. to. But in true fashion, we like. Just like the other panel opened up with a little Bravo reference, we're doing it as well. <laughs> now, ChatGPT and I spent a little time together and came up with Real Housewives lines for all of you. You all get your own Real Housewife tagline, and I expect you to sell it. Great. Okay, Amanda, this is yours. Justin's I'm going to hand like, them out. You can. Justin's not going to agree to do this, but I hope he does anyway. <laughs> Amanda. Robin, Nina, Justin. Oh my God. Isn't this amazing? This is and incredible. Josh, of course, has one. So uh, we will start. Let's start with Justin, who probably yeah, has Justin absolutely no idea what he's doing right he now. He looks devastated right now. What is this from? Just pretend you're a, a real housewife on. This is I don't your, even know what that means. This is your really season. Thing on. This is your season tagline. Okay. Pretend you're really so rich and a like terrible you person. All right. Let me get my podcast voice on. Hold on. <laughs> when it comes to fighting for justice, I'm the show me state sensation and I'm turning up the heat. Oh. <laughs> what? I hate it. Okay. <laughs> Minnesota nice, more like Minnesota spice. I'm the podcast queen of the north. That's right. Keeping. <laughs> New opening line for your podcast. Yep. From the Motor City to the Peach State, I'm solving mysteries and stirring up drama. Yes. <laughs> In the land of maple syrup and politeness, I'm the mystery lover with a few secrets of my own. <laughs> oh my God. That is apropos of nothing. <laughs> I may drink cocktails in the Berkshires, but my true crime, t- but my true crime tales are the ones that will leave you shaken. <laughs> oh, make it nice. So yes, uh, thank you, thank, thank you, you ChatGPT, for, for all your assistance. Um, can can Nina and I share a story about last night, real quick? Am I involved? No. Okay, no. Then yes. No. We were driving back from wherever we were, <laughs> this Stephen King-ass The scary room. airport motel um, where Josh took us to die. <laughs> and I saw my first black bear <laughs> ever. Never have seen a bear ever in my life. Not even in a zoo. Um, That's so sad. And so we're driving, and this large mass just skates across the road, up this guy's porch, over his house, and, and Nina is like, we're following it. <laughs> As she told me when I got home, friend-shaped. <laughs> if not friend, why friend-shaped? <laughs> and so we cruise down this alley. We're looking for this bear. He is long gone. We're circling the, 
the block. And then we, we were coming around and there's this deer just standing there staring at us. I'm like, okay, deer. Um, we come up to the end of the block and there's this lady walking her two dogs. And it's like 10, 45, 11 at night. And I roll down the window and I'm like, hey, hey, hey. And she just turns and goes, I have a boyfriend. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, cool, don't let him get eaten by a bear a either. There's a bear <laughs> over there. <laughs> She's like, oh, what? <laughs> Her dogs were snack sized too. <laughs> And I understand some guy yelling at you at like 11 at night. You're probably going to ignore me too, but I had good intentions. <laughs> and he doesn't want to get canceled. <laughs> we got back to the Airbnb and we're in the window. We're like, where is friend? Where is friend? No friend. We didn't see him again. All right. Amanda did warn me when we were, we were out and Nina texted her there was a black bear. And Amanda warned me she may not make it tonight because yeah. she might be eaten by a bear. But Clearly if not, she would be here. So yeah. thank you for making it. We thank appreciate you, black it. Thank you, for not eating me. <laughs> you want to do a podcast episode about you? No. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with a question that um, I usually say for, you know, enclosed spaces. So we're among friends, right? <laughs> I want to hear about your weirdest listener email. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> So many. <laughs> I oh, jo- I know immediately. It's, I, I know yours. <laughs> yeah. It's been passed around. Um, I'm not gonna say her real name. Um, let me think of a fake name. Uh, okay. Janet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Josh. Janet Amos here. Uh, I need some help burying my husband. Uh, <laughs> he was a veteran. He was the real inventor of the polio vaccine, uh, and. <laughs> You know, I would like a motorcycle brigade. I would like helicopters there. I would like it at Arlington Cemetery. He won a Congressional Medal of Honor. Uh, I also need someone to house sit our house. His children are not invited to the funeral. If they come, they will be escorted out. I'm gonna need security for the funeral. Um, but when I am out of town, they rob the house sometimes. So I need someone to watch the house while the funeral is happening. Um, I'd also like, do you think the Hell's Angels are available? <laughs> Sincerely, Janet Amos. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It ended with, what do you think? Janet Amos. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, I just listened to the Karen Allen thing. I, I think this is Karen yeah, it's all perfect. Ju- it's perfect. growing up. I just want to say it's extremely anti-American that you didn't help her. <laughs> Clearly, Josh does not support I the I didn't troops. know what she needed help with. <laughs> I think she made it very clear what she needed help with. A bouncer and a house sitter. Okay, my story doesn't involve an email. It involves a Patreon supporter because this one is really weird. Uh, So to give some backstory, my podcast covers cold cases and unsolved mysteries. And in early 2017, I covered the story about a missing 12-year-old girl named Janelle Matthews, who was from Greeley, Colorado, and went missing right before Christmas in 1984. It seemed pretty obvious that she was abducted from her house while she was home alone, but uh, they couldn't find any evidence leading to a particular suspect. And then in uh, July of 2019, two and a half years after I did my podcast episode, they uh, were doing an excavation in this remote area outside the town to dig an oil pipeline, and they wound up overcoming her remains and positively identified them as belonging to Janelle and they found out that her uh, exact cause of death was a gunshot wound to the head. And after this, the case started getting like uh, newfound attention everywhere and there was this weird guy named Steve Pankey who was named as a person of interest by the local authorities. And what was strange is that he lived in Greeley around the time that uh, Janelle went missing. He didn't have any real connection to the family and he had since moved to Idaho. And he had made a few attempts to run for governor there and his campaign slogan at one time was, this November, get hanky for panky. And shockingly, he was not elected. It did not work. I can't imagine why. But it was so weird because he was doing interviews in the media and on, the, on podcasts and stuff saying how he did not do it, but he knew an awful lot about this case and he, knew, he thought he knew he really did do it. And it almost seemed so weird, like there was no real evidence to prove it, but it's like, why is this guy so obsessed with this case? 
And it was finally, I think in October of 2020, uh, about a year and a half after Janelle's remains were found, that they finally charged Panky with uh, murder. Uh, they didn't really have like DNA or physical evidence. It was a pretty much a very circumstantial case based entirely on his own statements because he would allegedly give details about the crime that the police had never released to the public. And they were like, how could he have possibly known this stuff unless he did it? Well, shortly thereafter, I'm looking at my list of Patreon supporters and what name do I see but Steve Pankey. And what I look, tier? What tier? He, oh, yeah, we that, gotta know. Was he we generous? We gotta know. Oh, he was the top. He was the top tier. He's Ooh, like yeah. sending ten dollars okay. per month, and he probably signed, should have been sending that to a lawyer instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he had originally signed up in May of 2019 before Janelle's remains were found, so he had not yet been named as a person of interest. So I did the same thing I do with all my patrons. I sent him like a bunch of stickers and a signed <laughs> thank you card. Uh, completely oblivious, I thought he was just the same as any other patron. But I'm looking at his profile page and it's got his photograph, it's got an Idaho post office box, and it's definitely the same guy. And uh, he was also donating to other uh, podcasts, including Nina as well, already gone. <laughs> but of course the main difference was mine is that I covered the Janelle Matthews case and when I did it, he had not yet been named as a person of interest. so. I didn't use his name during the episode, but I was kind of cringing the idea that he's listening to this, he found my podcast this way, and is thinking that he's getting away with it, but he likes my podcast enough to send <laughs> me money every month. So long story short, uh, his first trial had ended in a hung jury, but he was finally convicted and found guilty this past October and was sentenced to life in prison. And the Iraq- like this, It's currently October. Oh, last, oh, sorry, uh, October 2022. That's what I meant. <laughs> Amanda, just time warp. Are we safe? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the funny thing is, is that it kept charging his credit card while he was in jail. So he could, uh, he, was he was still my patron for at least a, uh, two years after he was arrested. But as my karma, I donated all the money that he was sending me to victims' rights organizations, no. such as private investigation for the missing. So no. some good just come out of it. But... Uh, like, podcasters have always said to themselves when you're covering cold case, I wonder if the killer is out there somewhere listening, and this was the very first time that it was confirmed that it was true. And it makes you wonder how many other examples of this out there that we don't even know about yet. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also donated the uh, proceeds, the Atlanta Food Bank. Oh, good. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So my strangest communication with the listener... <clears throat> was several years old, back when I was still on Twitter. Uh, one of my listeners got into it with someone on Twitter, and I, and I saw it, and I didn't engage, because no. And she emailed me and was like, well, you saw what was going on on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't want to get involved. She's like, look, Ms. Cunty. <laughs> <laughs> the way I would immediately get a look, Ms. Cunty so I don't remember a lot of what happened after that. I was like, block, delete, fuck off. Mm. Um, my wedding. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Please be my friend. Um, but last I heard, she had an Elvis Costello-related podcast, and he has a restraining order against her. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> That's really funny. I love that so much. Um, I mean, we've got a lot of really weird emails. We have an entire folder that we labeled Derek, who is our intern that doesn't exist, that we just plop <laughs> these emails in that we don't want to deal with. Um, we have gotten some from inmates who want us to cover their story, and we're like, <laughs> no. Um, we have gotten at least one from... Uh, someone that we talked about on our show who had been convicted of um, harming her children via Munchausen by proxy. She wanted to come on and tell her side of the story, to which we were also like, no. Um, but a lot of our weirdness comes in DMs, and I would say, I told you about this last night, our weirdest DM was from our favorite true crime icon, Mike Boudet. <laughs> who, after he was unceremoniously removed from the roster of, I believe it was the Nashville Crime Con? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
So he DM'd us thinking that we would take up arms on his behalf <laughs> and advocate for him, to which we responded, we are not, we don't run CrimeCon, we're not affiliated with their booking, and this has nothing to do with us, so we are not gonna, like, shit where we eat. Sorry. We said it nicer than that, which we didn't need to, but whatever. Then he proceeded to respond something along the lines of, I'm sure a lot of Germans said the same thing during World War II. <laughs> to which we wrote back, LOLK, and then never talked to him again. You did the cool story, bro. Yeah, really cool. How's that camping trip with Justin coming up? Have a great weekend. <laughs> and, that and, was a lie. It never happened. And, uh, uh, he... He blacklisted CrimeCon because he wanted to bring an entourage of people and he wanted free tickets for them and they refused to give free tickets. We and, barely got free <laughs> tickets to CrimeCon. And he was like, nah, screw you guys. And that's, yeah, it wasn't even, yeah. Anyways, I, I know the inside scoop on a lot of things I shouldn't. <laughs> that's my, why we're friends. Yeah. I'm thinking about my last weirdest email. I'm thinking it was from Amanda, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was it was actually a long, long time ago. I think it was like 2015. And this is actually not a funny story. Okay, <laughs> um, so everyone bring it down. <laughs> uh, this lady, she said she was uh, like an investigator or a district attorney or something. And she wanted me to like do the story like a podcast that she was currently investigating and she was drunk all the time slurred her words it wasn't me and, <laughs> and and then she was like well you did this really good job on this other episode you did and it was an episode that true crime garage had done and i hadn't <laughs> she thought you were the captain and this has actually gone into a phone call at this point because i was like just call me and let's just and and then I was like, you're wasted, we're not talking anymore, I'm not doing this, and I, and I hung up on her. And then she proceeded to send me crime scene photos of the dead bodies of the investigation oh my she was working. And I blocked her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened. Damn. Um, I, I once got contacted by someone who had listened to the episode and it was a wrongful conviction case and she was telling me that she was part of the defense investigation like the appellate investigation, and she wanted to talk more and da-da-da. Well, I had been in contact with the appellate attorneys, which is how I found out about the case, and so I was like, hey, I just got reached out by someone else on your investigation team. That was kind of weird. Usually you got one contact person, and they're like, you need to block her. <laughs> she is apparently in love with the inmate and believes she is part of everything, and can you please uh, forward us her email? <laughs> I was like, okay, Amazing. goodbye. Have a nice day. So um, I need to know about your uh, Twitter interactions where Nina gets in trouble for not interacting on Twitter. Have you, okay, someone's reached you on social media. Do you let it go or do you clap back? Like someone talks shit? Yeah. Oh, I love clapping back. <laughs> you well, don't come shocking. in my house and shit in my litter box. <laughs> I mean, people are not, for the most part, our listeners are wonderful people like we love that community so much and every once in a while people will just be complaining about the free entertainment that they are <laughs> provided and they want to voice those complaints on a public forum that we're running they come to our public forum and post it in our comment section and I almost there was a time when I wanted to be diplomatic and I was like I'm not going to ruffle feathers and you know, take risks in responding. And that lasted 10 seconds? Maybe 15 okay, seconds. Yeah, I'm proud of and you. And you just get to a point where it's like, we're people that are busting our fucking asses to do this work and entertain you. And if, you, if there's an element about the show that you don't like, you are welcome to not listen to it. But you also are welcome to shut the fuck Listen to Crime Lines instead. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> So I will, I'll let people know that and it, how respectful I am in my response depends on how respectful they are in their comment. Mm -hmm. Someone tracked me down on Instagram about two or three weeks ago to tell me that I had a terrible voice and I was ruining. You have the okay, best wait, voice. listen to this voice. 
I was ruining their favorite podcast. <laughs> that you made. Yeah. So I just blocked and deleted them. Cause what, what do you say? Like, I'm sorry? You know, if you don't like, like you said, if you don't like it, move along. It's free. Right. So yeah, I have a terrible voice and I made them unhappy and I'm terribly sorry. You sound very sorry. I do. <laughs> Does anyone else have? I, I've removed myself from so social media, and I could never do as good of a job as Swindled, so oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't participate. So, swindled more than claps back. <laughs> yeah, if I ever get any ne negative feedback on Twitter or social media, I generally ignore it, but uh, I will say in Twitter's defense, one of my best podcasting moments ever was the result of Twitter. Um, have any of you watched the TV show from Canada, Letterkenny? Yes. Yes? Well, I had kind of a freak out moment where uh, one of my, someone tagged me on Twitter saying, uh, she posted a photo of herself like in the dentist chair during a root canal and said, this is such a miserable day for me, but at least listening to the trail went cold will help me get through it. <laughs> and then I found out, oh, that's Dio Horn who plays the role of Tannis on Letterkenny and she's a fan of mine. Awesome. And it got even better a few years later because I have this contest where once a month I'll draw a name for a random listener to read the intro for my podcast. And then Dio Horn tags me on Twitter. Oh my God, I love this podcast so much. I really want to read the intro for one of your episodes. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and what's kind of crazy is uh, I know it's kind of a shame for me to say this as a Canadian, but I had never watched Letterkenny, so I didn't really know who she was. But she was more excited that I was talking to her that she was contacting me, but I contacted her on DM saying, I'm doing an episode. If you want to record the opening, that'd be great. And she was like freaking out like, uh, cr like crazy because she wanted to do it. So I released the episode, had her voice on it, and we've been in contact by email ever since. She actually was starting her own podcast about her mother's uh, experiences as an indigenous activist, so we did a bit of cross-promotion. So it's kind of cool that you're on Twitter. There's a lot of bad things about it, but if you can find a celebrity who's like a big fan <laughs> of yours and become a friend, then it's all worthwhile. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I just respond in the most deranged way possible, <laughs> which is, okay, and then like two to 17 exclamation points. So they'll be like, I hate you, you're a faggot, stop doing this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> pride flag, pride flag, pride flag, exclamation. I, I will say back in the early days, because my podcast has been around since yesterday. Um, I, Granddaddy. <laughs> I, I, I did reply, and I would actually dig deep into their profile and find oh. something really hurtful. <laughs> I, I love you so nice. much. I wasn't Cut nice. deep. Like, if there was, a, like, a picture on their, like, refrigerator that their kid drew, I would be like, that picture sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's amazing. I was not, yeah, I was not I just nice. really don't understand why, I mean, I am not a nice person. And, like, can I Can confirm. Can confirm. I'm not like there's a lot of things that people think about me and like all of them are true and um because i'm just insane but i even as an insane not nice person i have really <laughs> never been compelled to go on someone's social media platform and like comment negative shit on their posts it just to me it's so much more of a reflection of something that's wrong with them that I used to take that stuff so personally in the beginning, and you really do like build a callus to it. And now I could just give a shit about <laughs> and, any and, of those trolls. And, and Aaron runs all the social media now. And that he helps. Is, we hired someone yeah, too. He, he's like the hate whisperer too. Like, so I go in and I, rep I respond people. from my personal account. I'm not going to respond as wine and crime. You're going to know it's me. <laughs> I came and found you. No, uh, Justin's co-host Aaron will be like, you hate me? Should we get on the phone and discuss this? <laughs> he, and he will turn them. And I'm like, why are you wasting your time? And he's like, well, I just want to understand. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Israel Keys did that. He would fight with people on like forums. Tell and Aaron he's wait, just wait, like wait, Israel wait, Keys. Like, Here's my Skype. Say it to my face. Okay, don't tell Respect. Aaron. <laughs> Respect. So um, to get a little bit more into the podcasting side of things, is there ever, is there a case out there that you just will not touch? What is your like no-go case? Heyman Lee, Adnan. Like Kelly Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. 
Uh, Maura Murray, and that's just because it's been covered to death and there's so much uh, drama surrounding it and I've become friends with Maura's sister Julie who apparently does not want people covering it on podcasts anymore because they think there's nothing that can add unless there are any new leads. But I still get requests to this day because it's the most famous missing persons case of the modern era to cover it, but I still say the same thing. I don't know what I could add after all this time. So there was a family murder in Farmington Hills, Michigan, which is not too far from where I lived, where the um, oldest son who was adopted came home and beat his father to death, beat his brother and mother half to death, while his other brother and sister cowered in the garage hearing their father be murdered. And uh, it was a f many of my friends were friends with this family, and I've had lots of requests to cover this murder, and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near this. Absolutely not. That's so that's that's my no. Yeah. Uh, ours is a little trickier because our show is it's a comedy show. Um, so there are certain things that we just don't really want to laugh at. To, well, <laughs> and I mean it's a it's a weird line because we're really not laughing at the stories that we're covering unless they are undeniably funny because some of these crime stories are undeniably funny um but we do talk about some really heavy really challenging really dark things on our show as well and you have to approach those with the reverence and respect that they deserve um but there are just some things where we are billed as a comedy show so we're not people send us stories about like school shootings and all these other you know really deeply disturbing not even just cases but topics mm -hmm. that we are just like we're not the platform for that. It's just not appropriate. So there are, it's, it's a line that it's like we might not be able to write out, here are all the things specifically that we won't cover, but when someone does approach us with something... You know it when you see it. It's like porn. You know porn. it. Porn versus art, okay? We're you trying to veer toward it. art and avoid porn. Sometimes it's hard, but you know when you see it. Well, we have a friends who have a podcast, History Dweebs. It's also a comedy podcast, and as our friend Chuck says... Um, once a child's murdered, there's nothing funny after that. Right. So there's like those cases are completely off the table. Mm -hmm. What about you? Uh, just really most of the popular ones because I, I never like I, I'm not going to follow a narrative that's out there. I just look at the evidence and the trial and whatnot. So when people, even if I'm like, this guy deserves a new trial, this guy is probably innocent, if I don't word it the exact way that the advocates and the supporters are, I get crap for that. And I'm just like, I'm not gonna do the big ones anymore because if I'm not giving the same narrative that everybody else is, I don't care to read the negative emails. Well, Aaron, <laughs> I don't read them. But it's just like that. I'm like, I'd, I'd, I'd rather give time to a, a lesser known case. I also think though, one of the differences with your show, Justin, is that you guys are a bit of a commentary show as well, where you're giving your opinions on things. So like, I don't generally give opinions, so I don't really get that same critique. Feedback, yeah. yeah. Um, let me find another question. I have so many questions and they're all random. Um, so which case have you worked on that surprised you the most while you were doing it? I covered a little-known missing persons case from 1985, and after I covered it, I like looked up where her husband is and where her son, who was a toddler at the time, is, and I ended up getting a call from the Oakland County Sheriff saying, hey, we're going to reopen this, and we can't find the file, so will you please bring everything you have on this case and come meet with us? <laughs> uh, so that doesn't feel good. I mean, it feels good, but also like, yikes, you're the ones who should have all of it. Yeah. You should have more than me. Yeah. Nina gets these calls a lot. <laughs> we never get She's the, calls. okay. So, uh, thank God. Really? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Nina's like the police whisperer. Yeah. Uh, I like to cover like a lot of older cases from like the 1940s and 50s because there are so many of these weird mysteries where misinformation is passed across time where it's like stuff gets highly exaggerated. Like I did one in the 40s about a man from England named Charles Walton who was killed and you hear all these stories how they found a pentagram carved in his chest on his body and then you look through the old newspaper articles and the uh, old like police reports and you found out there's no mention of this at the time. This is just a false piece of information that 
that is passed on and become accepted as truth. And uh, one that I did from England in 1943, it's called Who Put Bella in the Wickelm, which is the story of like a uh, deceased woman who was found murdered inside a tree in rural England. And the reason it's called that is because apparently there was some graffiti that was being left around the area over the next years, Who Put Bella in the Wickelm? And uh, they said, well, her name must be Bella. Whoever wrote that must be the killer. But while researching it last year, I actually found an old article which says, oh, they found the guy who wrote the graffiti and it was just a hoax. He was just a crank and he knew nothing about the murder. Yet because this graffiti keeps getting left over and over again over the years, people still think it's significant to the case, but it's not. And surprisingly, like one of the rumors around it is that she might have been like the mistress of this famous German spy who was murdered. And after I released an episode, I actually got a complimentary uh, blog post written by the daughter of this German spy who, who complimented me saying this is the most accurate collect recollection of this case and you did an excellent job. And it's like, well, it's not every day that you can say your podcast has been praised by the daughter of a German spy. So <laughs> this was definitely one where my research took me in very unexpected directions and surprised me. For me, it was Kelly Cochran. It, like, <laughs> Full of surprises. It just every, t every page. It felt like a Ryan Murphy series where it starts out <laughs> strong and then you're just like, okay, enough. <laughs> yeah, like, it and just, it's not just her, though. It's the investigators it's also. The whole, I mean, it's like she fed her boyfriend to her neighbors and then it was like <laughs> she fed someone to pigs and then sold the pigs as organic grass-fed pigs. And then it was she threw up in her husband's mouth to make it look like he overdosed. And then that was the one for me. <laughs> the, what we call the Burger King interview, where she's handcuffed, eating a cheeseburger, trying to like seduce the interrogator, and it's ketchup all Why over her face. Why wouldn't you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, like every moment in that was surprising. I, I have a lot, um, but I'll choose a more popular one. Uh, Aaron and I covered uh, the Scott Peterson case a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. A lot of misinformation. And I, uh, and at, at the time, which was, I don't even remember how many years ago it is now, but I just remember saying every statement Scott gave actually added up to where he actually was, even though I still thought he took his wife's body and dumped it in the bay. But um, after we did the episode, Lacey Peterson's sister contacted us and said, you gave the most unbiased critique and coverage because I absolutely think Scott's innocent. What a weird compliment. Yeah. <laughs> that gave me I, chills. At, at no point did I was on Scott's side. Sure. But I gave him credit on his statements and where his location mm -hmm. was. I was, you know, analyzing it in a very balanced manner. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That one was surprising because I didn't think that her family felt that way about him. Uh, I, this question's a little weirder for me to answer because the way that our show is laid out, the actual time we have to dive into cases, we cover multiple cases in a single episode under the umbrella of a topic. So what stands out to me is a case that I covered um, several years ago. I'm from Minneapolis, I live in Minneapolis, and um, Philando Castile, a, a young black father, was shot and killed during a traffic stop being pulled over for a broken taillight, I believe, um, in Falcon Heights, Minnesota, which is very close to the Twin Cities. It's basically St. Paul. Um, and this was a police murder that absolutely rocked our city. Um, this was like our, I mean, it, it's, it's horrible to even have to go down this path, but it's like the way that George Floyd's murder affected the global populace was, this was a start in the city of Minneapolis. And I was living under the impression, living there, that everybody knew about this, because how could they not? I mean, this was so egregious and so earth shattering and so obviously racist and the product of white supremacy. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Um, and then I covered this case on the show and we got so many emails that people had never heard of this. What? And it was like fairly mm -hmm. recent in the news as it was being covered. Um, and that was 
heartbreaking. Uh, shocking to me to get that kind of feedback that, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that this was happening. Um, and it just served as a very grim reminder to not to like, you know, go down Trump territory because everyone knows that guy's a loony, but to be critical of the news that we are receiving because there is a narrative that's being pushed and you know we have an obligation whether you're a comedy podcast or whatever kind of podcast if you're covering real stories about real people we have to honor those stories and we have to tell those stories respectfully and we have to tell them with as much truth and as little bias in most cases as we can muster because we really are reaching ears that are not getting this information from their local or national news. And that blows my mind all the time where we'll tell a story on wine and crime on a fucking comedy show that like is wild and maybe earth shattering and seems like international news. And then people will be like, wow, I'd never heard that before. And it's like, how, how is this possible? And in, in, in the Flanand, Flanand, I can't talk right now. In that case, he uh, he had a weapon on him that he had a, a conceal and carry license for. And, and declared. And, and <laughs> when you are pulled over by law enforcement, the first thing you need to tell them is, I'm armed and here is my conceal and carry license. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, he was shot how many times? Uh, I Seven? Think, uh, I think he was shot four times, yeah. but his four-year-old daughter was in the backseat. Yeah. And he was shot after declaring that he had his weapon and being told to provide his license and registration and his concealing carry, yeah. which was in his wallet, which is what he was reaching for. The NRA should have been fighting for this guy. Well, <laughs> are we shocked? <laughs> well, along the lines, Justin kind of already segued into getting contacted after you've covered a case from someone you did not talk to before you covered it. Have you guys had that where someone's reached out and is there like a, I mean, I'm sure we've all had it multiple times, but is there an instance that really sticks out to you? Yeah, I, I covered a case. Um, I can't remember his name now because it was 10 years ago, uh, but it was a man who- Grandfather. <laughs> um, ADHD. And uh, a guy, he was, uh, he was on death row in Louisiana for dropping a baby that he was giving a bath to and the baby hit its head on the side of the bathtub and died. Well, then they said, no, he was actually molesting the baby, and then he killed the baby, blah, 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 and they gave him the death sentence. And it was total BS, like he, it was an accident. And, um, and I had said, because he was bathing the, the baby, so he didn't have a shirt on, whatever. And, and so I told the story, and I'm like, and his wife came home, he got dressed, and then they ran the baby to the hospital as quick as they could. And I got the Innocence Project after me because they're like, he put on a shirt. You said he got dressed, insinuating he was naked. And uh, like, you got all these details wrong. And I'm like, come on. I was sitting here advocating for this guy and saying he needed a new court case. And they like just blasted us and said that we got everything wrong. And I said, please tell me what I got wrong. And they're like, well, you know, there wasn't any DNA evidence. And I time stamped. 16 times where I said there was no DNA evidence. <laughs> and I, you know, it's like I, they do God's work, you know, Innocence Project is great, but I'm like, get off my back. <laughs> like, I didn't follow their narrative, I guess. I was just surprised by that one because yeah. I was really on the side of this. This was an accident. Mm -hmm. This guy did not deserve the death penalty. I have two. I'll go with a positive and a negative. Um, <laughs> start with a positive. I covered a uh, a case, a missing man named Mark Oldberry, uh, who he got no media attention whatsoever. Uh, he disappeared in Vider, Texas, uh, when Keys was in the area. So we looked into it. We tried to get FOIA files. We couldn't. Um, it just, no one knew this guy even existed. And it was heartbreaking. And like a year after I covered it, I got an email from his sister who was like, I'm a true crime listener. I started your show a few months ago, and it was really wild to hear you talk about my brother's case. And I was kind of like preparing for the email to get bad, and she just said, thank you. No one has ever covered his case. She's like, I don't know how to feel. The police narrative never made sense to us, but like whether it was keys or not, like people know my brother's name now. Mm -hmm. The negative <laughs> <laughs> um, was, is a case we'll talk about in a little bit, but... Um, 
I had what we think could be physical evidence tying keys to a potential victim. And his old boss would be able to corroborate this. And so I reached out to the boss and I said, like, hey, like, I just have a, a quick question and like gave him the rundown. And he was super friendly and cooperative. This was in 2017. Uh, and then, or no, 2018. And then he came back about 20 minutes later and said, I looked at your Facebook profile. You don't like Trump? Oh. Don't contact me ever again. Okay, <laughs> bye. Got all I needed. Later. <laughs> Texas. Did, did you reply, this isn't my dating profile? <laughs> well, most of the one, I cover like a lot of unsolved cold cases and most of the feedback I've gotten from family members or people who knew the victims has been overwhelmingly positive. People who are thankful that I remember these people because I do like a lot of obscure ones and older ones that have been forgotten to the test of time, so they have the mentality, even if we don't, if this case never gets solved, we're still glad that this victim is still being remembered after all these years and won't be forgotten. But the most unusual email I've probably got from someone connected to a case occurred about uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, I covered a case that was once featured on Unsolved Mysteries about a man named Roger Dean who was murdered in Colorado in 1985 by a masked intruder who went inside his home and tried to kidnap him but then shot him and then left his mask behind at the scene. And I got this email from someone asking, uh, I listened to your podcast episode and they started just asking me random questions like, do you know if such and such was a person of interest? Do you know who submitted their DNA, who wouldn't cooperate with investigators? And I said, sorry, I don't have that information. Uh, I, I, there's a lot that hasn't been released publicly. And he said, okay, fine. But he says, there's a good suspect though, he was just arrested. And I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't read anything in the news about someone being arrested, what are you talking about? And I tried to email him back, didn't get a response. And then about two weeks later, they announced that a suspect named Michael Jefferson had been arrested for the murder of Roger Dean because he had left his mask behind at the scene and there were pieces of his hair in it and they used DNA testing and genetic genealogy to identify Michael Jefferson, who had never popped up on the radar as a suspect. So I go back and look at the email, and I see that the guy who sent it was named Noah Jefferson. And uh, why does this keep happening to I you? I know, yeah. <laughs> My God. What the hell? Yeah. And I start reading about the details of Michael Jefferson's arrest. It says he was arrested two weeks ago while visiting his family in Los Angeles. And I'm doing the timeline, and I think. Noah probably watched the police bust down the door and arrest him, and he was probably looking for more information about this case and uh, listened to my podcast episode and then emailed me more information. So that would I, be really low on my priority list. If yeah. a family member got arrested, be like, oh my gosh, I need to let Robin know. So I tried to email him back for more information, and he never replied, so I don't know if he's a brother or a cousin or a nephew or something like that. Or and, an accomplice. Or an accomplice, yeah, you never know. And... Uh, twist, it was him. Yeah. yeah, maybe. You never know. But he's, he still has not got on trial yet, so I don't know the details of the case, why he was arrested, what his motive was. But if I watch the trial and Noah Jefferson takes the stand to testify, I'm going to really freak out and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's not often you hear from relatives of killers who are arrested only minutes or hours after it happens <laughs> that their top priority is to email a podcaster. So it's just very unusual. <laughs> He isn't. No, I actually double-checked, and he isn't, thankfully. Robin now runs checks on his Patreon every so often. Oh, no kidding. Like, when Brian Kohlberger was arrested for the Idaho murders, I actually checked to make sure he wasn't a Patreon for me, and thankfully he wasn't. Shocking. Yeah. So my podcast is focused on Michigan and the Great Lakes region, so I cover a ton of stuff out of the Detroit area because that's where I'm from. And I found a case from the 80s of a girl named Gretchen White, who graduated from high school in Livonia, Michigan, and went out to Arizona State University for college. And while she was in college living in an apartment, someone kidnapped her from her apartment, assaulted her, uh, left her for dead in a parking lot, ran her over with their car. It was really a nasty, nasty case. And this was early 80s. So I decided I wanted to cover it because of her connection to the Detroit area. And I submitted a FOIA to the police department out in Arizona. And they sent me a big, big file. I was really excited. And I read the entire thing. And I get to the last page, and it says, resolved by DNA. Very last page of the file. And I'm like, oh my god, this case is solved. Like, I had no idea. I assumed this was a cold case. 
So I put my episode together and I put it out and I get to the end and I'm like, and this episode is, you know, this, this case is solved. This is the man that killed her. He is currently serving, blah, blah, blah. And two or three days after the episode comes out, I get an email from a family member. Her family didn't know the case was solved. <gasps> what? Because she was murdered in 1982, 84. In Arizona. In Arizona. And her parents had both died. And her brother, whose name was like Brian White, or yeah, because her name was Gretchen White, her name, his name was like Brian White or Scott White. So there's they like 700 of them in every city. Right. They couldn't find him. So I'm the one that broke the news to the family that the murder was solved. Which was great, like, yay, it's solved, but oh my God, what a way to find out. But I ended up getting several emails from people that knew her that were just delighted. Mm. So that was really nice, but it was also sort of bittersweet. Again, we really don't deal with that (laughs) kind of response. Although we did, on a fairly recent episode, um, I think it was a case that Kenyon was covering about a woman who had been killed and the... um, perpetrator of the crime was suspected to be an intimate partner. There were a lot of signs that she was a victim of intimate partner violence over a long period of time. Um, But the case on paper remains unsolved. Um, We are not journalists or investigators. So we went over that case and we were like, LOL, this fucking guy definitely did it um, and gave our opinion on that. And uh, I, I believe it was a sister of the deceased emailed us and was like thank you like finally people are saying what we know to be the truth and um i mean it's just i don't know it's hard to get emails like that it 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 sucks it is that it's very bittersweet because i'm sure people feel so isolated in their grief and their trauma and then to feel like so few people believe what they're saying is true I mean, this family knew this man. He was like married to their loved one for all these years and consistently harmed her and everything added up. It's just like whatever blunder or lack of DNA evidence or whatever little tiny sand in the cog can get in there to stop an investigation happened and they couldn't bring him all the way to trial on circumstantial evidence alone and that was just it. Now it's just sitting cold. So I don't know, that shit just sucks. I already gave my answer. Oh, great. (laughs) All right, so before we wrap up, we'll have one last question. It's kind of a lightning round. If your podcast was not true crime, you cannot create in the true crime genre, what genre podcast would you have? Easy. Go. (laughs) No idea. Justin's like, I didn't even want to do this one. (laughs) Yeah, talk about your other podcast. Okay, Uh, well, I thought it was like a new one. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I have the peripheral. So if you don't listen to that, check it out. I interview people. Um, it's, it's more about, uh, you know, when you cover true crime, sometimes you talk about addiction, mental health, uh, domestic violence, whatever, and you kind of have to gloss over that for the sake of the story. And I hated doing that. So the peripheral is just me interviewing somebody directly that has gone through that. And it's just straight interview. Josh has been on my show once, so yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I just launched the thing that I would have wanted to do if I was not only doing true crime. And it is a podcast called Passages. And I am, oh, thank you, JB. I am fucking <laughs> obsessed with it. It's like me and one of my best friends, we just read each season. We've literally just started, so you're on season one. We read trashy, like, bonkbuster romance novels. And then, like, do dramatic readings of, like, all the sex scenes. And it's like, it's like, a, it's like a weekly book club, but we make it so that you don't have to read the book. Like, we'll recap the whole thing, and then we pick our favorite passages. And it is so fun, and this writing is so bizarre and hilarious, and I'm obsessed. So if you like kind of 70s-era swarthy romance novels, definitely check it out. It's really a fun time and we're starting with a book by Judith Krantz called Scruples. <laughs> it's really good. The book, not the podcast, but also the podcast. So once upon a time I thought I was going to be a history teacher so my podcast would be about history. Love that. Ooh, question from the audience. <laughs> so I... Get out! Damn it, Haley. 
Um, I really like Civil War history, but it would probably be about the history of different spaces. Like, especially like you look at a town like this and there's all these great old buildings. Like, I would love to explore the history of different spaces. Do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm kind of different because I did my other genre of podcast before true crime and it's film because I'm a big cinema buff. I like to analyze movies and my uh, podcast editor McGill and I uh, did one called Shouts from the Back Row uh, several years before I did The Trail Went Cold where we would talk about movies and TV shows and I think maybe 10 people listened to it. So I decided to switch over to true crime and do that. But yeah, if I wasn't in true crime, I'd probably still be doing podcasts about film. And making no money. Yeah. <laughs> I have a comedy podcast, a humanities podcast, and a music podcast. What else do you want from me? <laughs> Pick something else. It's not enough, Josh. Actually, I do want to do an investigative podcast into Mary M. Cosby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there, are some, there are some bodies under that church. For sure. Allegedly, don't sue. Can I can I share a text I sent to Nina and Amanda? Uh oh, to wrap this up. Um, so he keeps pretending the he's having these spontaneous moments, and all day he's like, "I can't wait to tell you about this text I sent." <laughs> this so, could have been your answer of what the other podcast would be. Oh, so yeah. erase what he said. Yeah, and we'll New pretend answer. it would just be a collection of weird texts I send out to people. So you ever have a stress dream? Something stressful? No, never. And then, you know, when you're about to travel, sometimes you can't sleep real well and whatever. I had a stress dream about traveling here. And it goes like this. Oh, God. <laughs> this is addressed to them. So I just had a stress dream about our upcoming trip. In my dream, I drive directly from the airport to Josh's without waiting for Nina at the airport and somehow drive to Josh's and somehow drove to Josh's. Once I realized my mistake, I panicked and went to find the rental car to drive back to the airport to get Nina. But the party was already in full swing and I couldn't locate the car amongst all the other cars in the driveway. But Josh had a really cute sister who lived on the beach, and I wanted to try and impress his sister by sitting with her on the beach. Only half of that is true. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, there was a a screen cover over a manhole that prevented the squirrels from falling into the ocean, and these guys were clearing the squirrels off, but I thought they were punching a stingray in the face. And when I asked his cute sister, why are the men punching the stingrays? She said, they're clearly, they're clearly clearing the squirrels off the filter and acted like I was an idiot. (laughs) New podcast. (laughs) And that's the title of the podcast. No, the title is punching the stingray. (laughs) Punching the string. You're better at this. So whenever somebody says, oh, do you think dreams have meaning? I'm like, no. (laughs) They don't. Not at all. (laughs) Who's going to visit Justin first in the sanitarium? (laughs) Definitely me. Oh, yeah. We'll go together in the Dodge Charger. Yes. Well, I've always thought that Josh should do a podcast about North Adams, but not about the place, but more the people. (laughs) Because I have met some of the most interesting people in the world. In this town. North Adams fucks. I love it here. I love it here. Like, looking at Zillow all day. No joke. You told us some great stories last night. Seriously. He will. We'll have to change names. (laughs) It'd be a very gossip column, yes, for sure. All right, well, thank you so much for our panelists. Yay.